0: have to fear in war there is no substitute for victory let us
1: never negotiate out of fear we stand undivided forever united fighting
0: hand in hand for the liberty we burn for glory and honor for our sons and daughters ever mindful of the lessons we've learned Let the torch of freedom burn.
2: You found your way to the intersection of faith and politics. This is Wall Builders Live. Thanks so much for joining us today. Be sure and visit our websites at wallbuilders.com and wallbuilderslive.com. You can also send in your questions if you'd like us to address some questions about the founding fathers or some of the founding principles or founding documents and how those things apply today in our culture today. Be sure and send in your questions to radio at wallbuilders.com. That's radio at wallbuilders.com. We usually get to those on Thursdays. That's our Foundation of Freedom Thursday uh, program. Normally on Thursdays, we will tackle some issue uh, from the founding documents. It's our chance to dive in a little bit deeper there. So send in your questions. We'll get to those on Thursdays. You can also get our archives at wallbuilderslive.com. So if you missed some programs over the last few weeks, We have quite a few of those up available on the website with a lot of the great guests that we've had. And you're going to want to know where that button is on the website for the archives of this week and actually the next couple of weeks. We've got several special programs coming to you that are in series. So in other words, they'll take more than one of our programs. It'll be a two or three part series usually. And today is the first time we're going to do that. It's going to be Section 5 out of our Constitutional live program. Many of you have already gotten educated on the Constitution by taking Constitution Alive and opening up your home or or your Sunday school class or whatever it might be and playing those DVDs where we went into Independence Hall in the very room where the Constitution was framed. And in that room, we walk through the entire Constitution. And then we go back to David Barton's library, and he pulls out these amazing documents, uh, just incredible, that we can actually hold those documents of the Founding Fathers and dive deep into what they said about those phrases in the Constitution, all of that there in Constitution Alive. And so many of you have actually done that in your homes and, and in your Sunday school classes and other places, and, and uh, walked through it with uh, your friends and family and others. For those of you that have not had a chance to do that, we want to bring you that over the airwaves here on Wall Builders Live. And we've done a few of the sections out of Constitution Live uh, over the last year or so. You can go back in the archives and grab, a, uh, I think some of those are still available there. But this week, we wanted to zero in specifically on Section 5 because that's where we dive into the Congress. Uh, each uh, section breaks down either the Congress or the President or the courts or or uh, the Bill of Rights or other parts of the Constitution. And in, and in Section 5, we actually dive into the specific enumerated powers of Congress. That's in Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. And it's an opportunity to walk through those very specific things that we the people authorize. In other words, these are the jurisdictional lines. These are the areas that that the federal government has the power to operate, that we gave them permission to operate. Now, of course, we can always take that back. That's what the amendment process is all about. We can say, hey, we don't want you to do that anymore. We essentially did that with, uh, with alcohol. Whenever we first said uh, that we were going to ban uh, alcohol completely with a constitutional amendment, we came back and amended once again and said, oh, "We're not going to ban it, but we are going to allow you to to regulate it." So we can limit, we can we can add powers to the federal government, or we can take powers away. That's ultimately we, the people, that get to decide that. But Article One, Section Eight in the Constitution is a chance uh, to really dive into those specifics. And so, in Section Five of Constitutional Live, we dive in a lot deeper. Um, it takes actually two full sections to get through the, uh, the uh, Congress in Constitution alive but section 5 is more specifically to the enumerated powers and the reason I'm I'm getting detailed on this uh, today and in, in, in describing what you're about to do is because this is one of the big questions as people are going into the presidential election is which one of these candidates actually understands jurisdictions actually understands the power that the Constitution gives to the federal government and more importantly the power it does not give to the federal government, so we thought it'd be fun to to dive into this part of Constitution Alive to get you familiar with some of those clauses and and phrases and actually limitations that are given there as well. Uh, you'll you'll find out in in today's program even even some of the uh, specific enumerated powers that have been so distorted that we've allowed the federal government to do things that were they were never intended to do. And when you look at the plain language in the Constitution, it's not complicated. It's actually plain language you'll realize just how bad out of control the federal government is and what the courts have allowed them to do. So let's just uh, jump right in. This is going to be a three-part series. So we're not going to get done today, but between today, tomorrow, and the next day, those three parts put together will give you all a Section 5 out of Constitutional Live. And if you really enjoy it, you can visit the website and uh, find out how to get the DVDs and the, and the workbooks. You can get multiple workbooks and uh, share them with your friends and family, and, and again, like I said earlier, bring them into your living room and actually open it up and make a make a class right there in your home. That's what uh, patriotism is all about, is, is, is learning your job as a citizen, learning my job as a citizen. That's what we've each got to be willing to do, and then go take action on that. Let's jump right in here. Constitutional Live, Section 5. Welcome back to Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. This is sort of Part 2 on Article 1, Section 8. So we're gonna get a little bit further into some of those clauses. We hit a couple of the most abused clauses, commerce clause, uh, general welfare clause. There's a lot of clauses. What are some of the other clauses in the Constitution we need to be aware of? You
0: know, clauses in the Constitution are really good because they tell us generally what we're about to learn or generally what the thing is. And almost like
2: a chapter heading for does. that
0: particular topic. If, if you say, oh, this guy's a U.S. senator, well, now you know what he does. Yeah. You, you know something about him, and therefore you know how to talk to him about what he does, or this guy's a pastor, or, or this is a, this guy's a scientist who invented whatever. Once you get a title to something, you now have some area where you can work. And so I went through and wrote down some of the names of the clauses in the Constitution because just by naming the clause, as, as it's already named, these are common clause names, um, you get an idea of, of what's coming. So, yeah. for example, the Advice and Consent Clause. Well, that's going to deal with the powers of the Senate related to the President. He gets to advise and consent on nominees. You have the Commerce Clause. We, you talked some about that with loopholes. You have the Establishment Clause, which is going to come up in the Bill of Rights, the Establishment Clause, and there's the Free Exercise Clause in the Bill of Rights. You have the Exceptions Clause, which is going to be Article 3, which is going to tell you what you can take away from the courts. If you want something accepted from them, not accepted, not ACC, but EX, you can do everything except this. Basically set aside from them, yeah. uh, You you cannot do this, that's an exception, then the Exceptions Clause. You have the, the Full Faith and Credit Clause which is how come we uh, accept contracts back and forth between states. So yeah. a contract you make in Montana was, m- is going to be valid in, in, in Mississippi or somewhere else in most cases. Uh, the general welfare clause. We've oh, talked boy, we've got to cover weird. that
2: again, man. But <laughs> it's
0: good for us to know what it really means so yeah. that when we hear that, we can say, whoa, time out, you guys are off off base here. That's not
2: what it means. And some of these, so, so some of these are the actual language. Of this the is the actual language. Others are descriptions that's of right. that particular clause. Okay. That's right.
0: So the necessary and
2: proper clause. That's actual language. That's actual yep. language. We're going to hit that one when we go back to Philly too. The
0: origination clause, which this is one of the constitutional arms of self-defense that the founding fathers through the Constitution gave to Congress that puts a lot of cramp on the other two branches when they get out, but nobody uses anymore. But the origination clause really good stuff. The supremacy clause uh, which we're going to get to in Article 6 of the Constitution. The Take Care Clause, that's Article 2, where the President is supposed to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. That's actual Constitution. Yes, yeah, so that's language. actual language. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Takings Clause, well, that's the Fifth Amendment to the Constitution. That is, that is another one of those language clauses. The Treaty Clause, uh, we have the Free Exercise Clause, the Free Speech Clause, the Free Press Clause, the Free Assembly Clause, the Petition Clause, the Self Incrimination Clause, the Impeachment Clauses, the Just Compensation Clause. These are really simple titles and once you learn the Constitution, somebody uses one of those titles, you go, I know exactly what they're talking about. And that's what we're gonna get some more of in this lesson.
2: So we're gonna jump back in for more of the details out of Article 1, Section 8, and we're gonna get some questions from the class when we join them back at Independence Hall.
1: Hey, this is Tim Barton with Wall Builders. And as you've had the opportunity to listen to Wall Builders Live, you've probably heard the wealth of information about our nation, about our spiritual heritage, about the religious liberties, about all the things that makes America exceptional. And you might be thinking, as incredible as this information is, I wish there was a way that I could get one of the Wall Builders guys to come to my area and share with my group, whether it be a church, whether it be a Christian school or public school or some political event or activity. If you're interested in having a Wall builder speaker come to your area, you can get on our website at www.wallbuilders.com and there's a tab for scheduling. And if you'll click on that tab, you'll notice there's a list of information from speakers' bios to events that are already going on. And there's a section where you can request an event to bring this information about who we are, where we came from, our religious liberties and freedoms. Go to the Wall Builders website and bring a speaker to your area.
2: So for us to do our job, we got to know what's in there. We got to know what these enumerated powers are. So Commerce Clause is one that has been uh, obviously a loophole they've gone through. General Welfare is one that they've gone through. I want to actually give you a small example. This is this is one that you wouldn't. It's not a big loophole, but it really helps me to see just how far Congress has gone from plain language. Have you ever heard anybody say the Constitution is too hard uh, to understand? The language is just too old. We just can't read it. It's just. Let's just look at the plain language of the Constitution on a particular issue. It's, uh, it's going to be the third, I think a fourth from the top, on page 14. You'll jump over there with me. This is after post office and post roads and counterfeiting and that sort of thing. It's the fourth from the top, and I'm actually going to ask for a volunteer. I want to get somebody to, to read this language, fourth paragraph from the top, that talks about to promote the progress. Who wants to be my volunteer tonight and stand up and read this clause for me? To promote the progress of science and useful arts. Stop! To- because there's a period there, right? There is. No. Oh, I'm sorry. There's no period there. Go ahead. I <laughs> can't imagine why I would have thought there was a period there. We'll come back to that. Go ahead. By securing for limited times to authors and inventors the exclusive right to their respective writings and discoveries. Interesting. So no period. Now, if there was a period there, um, you could probably say Congress can do whatever it wants to promote the progress of science and useful arts. It's a period. These guys said... Congress gets to decide how they want to promote the progress of science. The only way they're limited in that is they have to come home and answer to us, right? We may not like them doing certain things. We can vote them out if that's the case. But it's the power if there's a period there. No period there. So after that comma, it actually tells us the only constitutional way that Congress can promote the progress of science and useful arts. What are we talking about here? Copyrights, patents, trademarks, right? We're talking about protecting your property. We're talking about the best way to promote the progress of science and useful arts is to uh, protect the system, the general welfare. We're back to that whole concept. Protect the system. Provide the individual with a legal system that allows them to own their property and protect it and profit from it. That's all they're talking about here. But today, man, it's like we've got a period there. Because they're spending money promoting the progress of science and useful arts. They're spending 30 billion over here and 30 billion over there on science, on Big Bird and Ernie and, 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 and Elmo on, you know, Sesame Street and, and NPR and all these things because they say they're promoting the progress of science and useful arts. And I'm just confused because I don't understand how they have the power to do it in the first place. It doesn't tell them they can do it. It says that the only thing they can do is protect the invention. And there's a reason these guys did that. I mean, you had one of the greatest inventors in American history sitting here, Benjamin Franklin. And he didn't say, hey, let's use the government to go invent things and and, and fund science and all that. They said not to do that. Why? Because they understood the basic concept that a bureaucrat, a government, will not make better decisions than individuals about what is a useful art. About what is a good investment in terms of science? They understood from real life that government couldn't decide better than individuals. In, in fact, I think Congressman Bob McEwen probably has the best example I've ever heard. He said, "You know, if if, if I take a hundred dollars and I'm going to go buy me something, I, I'm going to I'm going to be concerned about two things: price, it's my money, right? <laughs> and quality, because I'm going to use it. I'm going to be the one actually using that thing. So those two things are very important to me." But, but if I'm going to go out and I'm going to buy something, for, well, what's your name, ma'am? Mary? Okay, Mary, let's say I'm going to go buy something for you, and I'm going to spend that same $100. Is price still important to me? Yeah, it's still my money, right? Is quality as important to me? <laughs> Sorry, Mary. <laughs> You're going to use it, not me. So quality, that's a little bit important because I don't want Mary to think I'm a total jerk, but I'm not going to be quite as worried if I'm not the one using it. But now here's the kicker. What happens if, tell me your name again. Ruth, in. Do you know Mary? Okay, good. Ruth, in. I've got a man. I got to. I got to run right after we're done with the class. I'm flying back home, and I can't. I don't have time to go buy. If I give you hundred dollars, will you go buy Mary something for me? Okay. Please don't come ask me for hundred dollars after this, because I'm not giving it to you. But it's just an example. We're make believing here. All right. So let's say she's going to go out and spend hundred dollars on Mary for me with my money. Is price important to her? No, it's my money. Is quality important to her? She doesn't know Mary and she doesn't ever yeah, gonna talk to Mary again. Price, friends, every government transaction fits that model right there. Government takes money from one to spend on someone else, so price and quality never matter. That's why you don't want government doing anything outside its jurisdiction. That's a you know, if you want to use the phrase necessary evil, I'm not anti-government. You need government to do certain things. Take the military. We're going to see a ton of things here in Article 1, Section 8. I want to be the biggest, baddest nation on the planet, right? I want peace through strength. So if they have to spend trillions of dollars to do that, that's okay because it's a proper function of government. It's in the proper jurisdiction of what they're supposed to do. Have you noticed the vacuum of leadership in America? We're looking around for leaders of principle to step up, and too often, no one is there. God is raising up a generation of young leaders with a passion for impacting the world around them. They're crying out for the mentorship and leadership training they need. Patriot Academy was created to meet that need. Patriot Academy graduates now serve in state capitals around America, in the halls of Congress, in business, in the film industry, in the pulpit, in every area of the culture. They're leading effectively and impacting the world around them. Patriot Academy is now expanding across the nation, and now's your chance to experience this life-changing week that trains champions to change the world. Visit PatriotAcademy.com for dates and locations. Our core program is still for young leaders 16 to 25 years old, but we also now have a citizen track for adults. So visit the website today to learn more. Help us fill the void of leadership in America. Join us in training champions to change the world at PatriotAcademy.com. Sometimes we think of limited government as small amount of money. It's not. Limited government means limited jurisdictions. It means not allowing the government to spend even one dollar outside of the jurisdiction they're supposed to be in. So if they're spending money on the military, and that's why you're going to end up with $400 hammers, you're going to, because of this model right here, we try to keep it as, you know, limited. We use uh, uh, sunlight to be the best disinfectant. You try to make it the best you can, but you're going to have things like that. But if they get outside their jurisdiction, it's going to be even worse. Because if government is taking my money to spend on science or the arts, some bureaucrat's are going to think that they can decide better than me what I would support. That's why you end up with corruption. That's how you get a cilantro. That's how you get wasted money. That's how you get sci- you know money going into science that doesn't. Pay. Let me give you an example of this. How, how many of y'all enjoy going out and looking at Christmas lights? Anybody here like looking at Christmas lights? I hate looking at Christmas lights I don't know why. I don't know why you people like to do that. I mean my wife makes me go every year you, know, you go every year you the same lights folks nothing changes. you're looking at the same ones you saw yes last year anyway all right but that's your freedom to do that. so you'd be sure if you had gone to Washington DC to look at the Christmas displays um, not this 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 last Christmas but the Christmas before that. let's say you went to the Smithsonian. Smithsonian had a, a Christmas display up and and the Christmas display for the Smithsonian that year, you would have had the opportunity to see Jesus Christ on the cross covered in ants. You would have been able to see a poster of Ellen DeGeneres holding her breast. And, and, and beside that one, you would have seen some, some posters of, of, of what even the Smithsonian said was homoerotic art. Um, all paid for by you. Paid for by me. Paid for with our tax dollars because some bureaucrat somewhere decided that was a useful art. Six million dollars went to the group that put that display on. Now, I don't know about you, but I wouldn't call that a useful art. But even if we're talking about the Sistine Chapel, even if we're talking about just an incredible work of art, it is not government's role to fund that or promote the progress of that except for protecting the inventor, protecting the author, protecting the creator. That's government's role. And probably the best example of this, think about science. Think about stem cells. Okay? You've got two kinds of stem cell research, right? you got adult stem cell research, you got embryonic stem cell research. Which one is getting the private money, the venture capital money, adult or embryonic? Adult. Adult, Adult. why? Because it works. (laughs) Because it works, exactly right. It works. So everybody's going, well, I'm not going to invest in embryonic. They haven't found a single cure. They're at zero. Adult stem cell research is now over 100. My slide, actually, there is, is old. Over 100 different amazing cures. I mean, science is amazing, it's phenomenal what they've been able to do with these adult stem cells. So all the private money's going over there. Where's the embryonic stem cell research getting its money? Herein lies the problem. Because yeah, from us, through government, that's exactly right, you got that exactly right. We're paying for it through government. I mean, my own state of Texas, I forget the number, what's it say on there? 41 million, New York, 600 million, California, three billion. Government's funding science that doesn't work because what's happened is politics enters into the equation, just like the corruption. You know what, what happens? If I'm controlling all that money as a bureaucrat or a politician, I'm gonna the money's going to end up going to friends of mine, right? That's just the nature of man. That's what ends up happening. It's a bad deal, folks, and there's only one way to stop it. You and I have to read the Constitution, and you show me in the plain language right there where Congress has any power to spend one penny on the progress of science and useful arts. They don't. Now, if it took money money to run the U.S. uh, Patent and Copyright Office or Trademark Office, I can understand. But it doesn't. That's the only department that actually turns a profit, right? Because it's uh, providing a a very good uh, service to the market. But look at the plain language. It's very clear we went wrong because we simply didn't read the language and hold our members of Congress accountable. If we do that, we could get them back in their proper place. I'm going to skip a couple of things here and and get ready to close us out on Article 1, Section 8. But please take a note of that one you see on the screen right there. To constitute tribunals inferior to the Supreme Court. We're going to come back to that when we get over into Article 3. So here's a power of Congress that has to do with the courts. We'll talk about that later. To define and punish piracies and felonies committed on the high seas and offenses against the laws of nation. To declare war. Here's three different things. To declare war, grant letters of and reprisal and make rules concerning captures on land and water. Just a quick point on to declare war. How does it say we'll declare war? Doesn't say, it's exactly right. There's no description, there's no special piece of paper. Have you ever wanted to learn more about the United States Constitution but just felt like man the classes are boring, or it's just that old language from 200 years ago, or I don't know where to start. People want to know, but it gets frustrating because you don't know where to look for truth about the Constitution either. Well, we've got a special program for you available now called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. And it's actually a teaching done on the Constitution at Independence Hall in the very room where the Constitution was framed. We take you both to Philadelphia, the Cradle of Liberty in Independence Hall, and to the Wall Builders Library, where David Barton brings the history to life to teach the original intent of our founding fathers. We call it the Quick Start Guide to the Constitution because in just a few hours through these videos, you will learn the Citizen's Guide to America's Constitution. You'll learn what you need to do to help save our constitutional republic. It's fun, it's entertaining, and it's going to inspire you to do your part to preserve freedom for future generations. It's called Constitution Alive with David Barton and Rick Green. You can find out more information on our website now at wallbuilders.com.
0: Let the torch of freedom burn.
2: Congress declares war any way they want, including spending the money on that war. So a lot of my dear friends say we're fighting undeclared wars. I disagree. When Congress passes a resolution says, Mr. President, go prosecute this war on terror, they have declared war. When they stand on the Capitol steps and sing America the Beautiful and hand that resolution, they've declared war. Every time they spend money on the war, they're declaring war. You know how they undeclare the war? They stop spending the money. And they've got the power of the purse. They can do that and say, we're going to give you enough to bring the troops home. That's it. So declare war, is, I think, gets uh, distorted in our minds today. We try to complicate it. When you look at the Constitution itself, it's not complicated. They have the power to declare war. They can do it any way they want. Last thing on that section, grant letters of mark and reprisal. That might sound weird to us today. I want you to try to put yourself in these shoes, in these chairs, if you will. When they did the Constitution, they were in the middle of the first war on radical Islam. That's what that was happening. Started in 1784. First war on terror was a 32-year war. I didn't know that. I'll just tell. I I had. I I didn't remember anything I learned in school about this. I was actually sitting on a radio program, and and uh, and and David Barton says to me, "We're talking about a. uh, There was a Muslim that was elected to Congress out of uh, Minnesota, and he got sworn in on the Koran. I don't know if y'all remember the picture. It was Thomas Jefferson's Koran. Jefferson had a beautiful copy of the Koran, big big two-volume set." And and so Congressman Ellison was sworn in on the Quran. We were getting calls, people saying, "Well, can he do that? He can't do that, can he?" We said, "No, of course he can. It's his choice. Not sure it's a good idea when we're at war with radical Islam, but hey, if he wants to do it, that's his choice." Uh, but the second question was, Thomas Jefferson had a Koran. Why did Jefferson was was Jefferson Muslim? And everybody was calling in and asking. Well, friends, we're out of time for today. You have been listening to a portion of Constitution Alive. With David Barton and Rick Green. That's our, our full program on the Constitution, just giving you a taste of it today, tomorrow, and the next day. actually going to give you a whole chapter, uh, so we call it Section 5, and it's on on the Congress. It's uh, on Article 1 and the Congress, and it's enumerated power. So today, we, uh, we got to touch on that a little bit. Tomorrow, we're just going to pick up right there in that section, and then the following day, we'll get the conclusion. Part of what you're hearing is happening in the Wall Builders Library uh, where David's incredible collection of founding fathers' documents exists. And then the other part is actually in Independence Hall with a, with a class that we brought in there uh, where I taught the uh, the Constitutional Live class in the room where the Constitution was framed. So I hope you're really enjoying it. I hope this is a special week for you to learn some some things about the Constitution and the enumerated powers of Congress that maybe you didn't know before. Or maybe if you knew some of these things, now we're equipping you on how to educate others about them as well and how to hold your public servants accountable on these issues as well. Let's get educated as citizens, and we can restore this constitutional republic and pass it intact to the next generation. Don't miss tomorrow. We'll pick up right where we left off today at a Constitutional Live. You've been listening to Wall Builders Live. We
1: stand undivided.